everybody. Welcome to The Gourmet Goober. I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as The Gourmet Goober. You can catch me, as always, on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can also um, catch me on Instagram at Gourmet Goober, or you can even drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Um, some people have asked if we've had a Facebook page, and we do, but to be honest, we don't really update it all that often because it's Facebook. <laughs> it is still a work in progress. Yes, but you can find it at the Gourmet Goober blog on Facebook as well. And as always, you can catch up some of our classic recipes and things from our six-year-old blog and counting at thegourmetgoober.com. Now, I'm here as always with my BFF and co-host and all around that dude. Of course, T Outlaw, my hubby. Hey. Hey, what's going on, y'all? You can find me, T Outlaw, at Twitter, at T Outlaw. And you can also find me on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. Like the movie, The Spaghetti Western. Uh, because I'm T Outlaw and I don't talk to chairs unless they <laughs> really decide to talk back. But uh, yeah, you can find me at Outlaw in spots. So, as always, um, whenever we um, start off our podcast, and by the way, thank you guys for following us as we go into our bi-weekly um, recording sessions. So, this, of course, will be dropping on Monday the 5th. Um, yeah. But wanted to just start off, as we always do, sharing about how our week went. So, Big Daddy, how was your week? Uh, my week, for the most part, was uh, fairly pleasant. I know it was a long, enduring week in, or set of weeks um, since our last uh, visit here. But uh, I like to say right now, I'm uh, kind of excited like the go-go because I'm on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, apparently, <laughs> I really messed up the go-go song. Yeah, but. I was about to say, that is not, it's vacation all you ever wanted. Vacation, how do we get away? That's sad that we know that. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. At the same time, I don't have Belinda Carlisle voice. So. Well, no, very few people do. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, yeah, I'm on vacation. So I'm like sitting back in the cut, chilling, uh, trying to take it easy for the uh, upcoming week. And I'm um, also like to give a shout out because we also got the chance at the very beginning of the, or at the end of last week to partake of a symposium, as you will, or a little get together amongst uh, podcast people. Um, we visited um, in the area in Chicago and we had like a little get together amongst people um, sponsored by Cards for Humanity and Kickstarter. And we all got together, you know, a whole bunch of us, you know, podcasting people, people come out of the basement for a little while to uh, share ideas, partake of uh, great food and drink. You know, spirits and will, because they were free. And uh, we got a chance to listen to um, different um, speakers. And we actually had a comedy show, and they gave us ice cream sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Those were good. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a, a nice little get-together. I actually um, wasn't sure what to expect, and uh, actually it was kind of pleasant. No, actually, I'm really, really glad that we had a chance to go. Um, we met this really cool guy from Kickstarter. And I didn't realize, but like Kickstarter is like really into supporting podcasts. In fact, the gentleman that we met, his name is Taylor. 
Um, shout out to Taylor. Um, he's over the comedy and podcast unit of Kickstarter Who Knew. So he had a really great um, conversation with us, all of us, about how to grow the podcast, um, our podcast, and how Kickstarter can be involved. We met the team over at Cards for Humanity, which, by the way, if you guys are ever in the Chicagoland area and have a chance to check out their offices, oh my gosh, so cool. And um, there's a wait list, but if you're a local podcast, you can actually record free of charge in their um, Fancy Pants recording studio that they have there. So that is really cool. Um, while I was there as well, I met this really super cool um, Chicago-based host that I wanted to give a shout out to. His name is Daniel Kissinger, and he is the co-host along with a gentleman named da Damon of the Ergo podcast. And it's a weekly podcast and cultural um, media podcast, and it focuses on creatives who are also really into social justice activism. Mm -hmm. And so we had a really great conversation about, you know, the responsibilities about how creatives are leading the way as far as social justice and the different platforms and um, showing a light to all the different ways that they interact um, with people. I introduced them to a great organization that I actually used to work with, the Brother David Dar Center. So shout out to them. And I'll be um, doing an introduction between Daniel and the leadership at the Brother David Darson or soon. But yeah, we had a really incredible conversation about how being a creative is more than just, you know, putting pen to paper or speaking in a microphone or things like that. There's incredible things that we can do with the form, the art forms that we choose to go into. So it was a really great conversation. So Again, as Big Daddy said, um, good food. Um, really neat to meet some of the podcasters within the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. um, also, I won my very own kit of Cards for Humanity. So sooner or later, I'm just going to do a get together so we can dig into the packet. But did yeah. you really win it or did you just kind of abscond with it? No, no. He was just like, look, who doesn't have a copy of this? And I was like, ooh, me. And so he like handed it over. So I prefer to say that I, it was a giveaway. I, it's not like I just stuck it in my purse. <laughs> I didn't have a purse. Otherwise I would have just stolen it anyway. But no, no, no. It was, it was a really great time. So again, thank you to Alex and everyone at, um, for the Cards for Humanity staff for inviting us. We're not really sure how we got on the, um, our little podcast got on. Because we are big the time. List. But yeah, it we was are, actually yeah, we cool. brand new. Yeah, like they love <laughs> us. We were so cool. Well, in terms of my week. Yes. Um, how was your week? Oh my gosh. He's like waiting for me to share this part of it. So this Friday, the second, was my dun, birthday. Dun, 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 dun. The queen has turned a new corner. She is older. Yes, yes, it's my birthday. It was my birthday on August the second, and um, it was a weird birthday. <laughs> um, I had to work. Yes, which really sucks. But I work, um, like I, I think I shared before, I work for a very large organization um, in the Humble Park neighborhood that deals with um, advocacy for women and families and things like that. And I work grants. And so this is like the crazy time of year where every grant in the world is due. 
They need a grant on your birthday? <laughs> um, I have like three grants due next week. So I, mm. and that's after the five grants that I wrote this past month and the three grant reports. Okay. <laughs> and I designed a newsletter for and the organization. Thank you very you much. You worked half day on your birthday. <laughs> and you had lunch with one of your best friends. I'm getting to that. And you took the train. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway. You so yeah, I, I was actually going to work the full day. And one of the people there was just like, you need to leave the office. Seriously. It'll still be there. You can work over the weekend. Just leave the office. So I took a half a day and I met with my good friend, Claudia. Shout out to Claudia. Woohoo. I've known her for like 20 years um, at my first job, actually, out of college. And she was in the Chicagoland area. And so we had brunch and it was fabulous. And we touched base and talked like it was old times. And it was really great. And one thing that she said that I took to heart was talking about how, particularly if you're a woman of a certain age. And... Mm -hmm. I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to publicly admit what that age is. <laughs> no, you don't have to. But at the same time, just know you're going through change. Okay, we're we're not going to discuss that. We're not. Old Stop daddy. it. First of all, Big Daddy's older than I am, so by a few months. And when it's so more old, than a few uh, months, okay. <laughs> it's not like you know I'm like Danny Glover up in there, but yeah. Yes, you do sound like Danny Glover sometimes. I'm getting too old for this shit. I am getting too old for this shit. Anyway, one thing that Claudia said that I really took to heart. Oop, there goes a crack in my back. Oop, I'm out. No, go ahead. <laughs> Was looking at this year with intention. And so that mm -hmm. is what I'm focusing on for the new year. So um, thank you to everyone who's given me birthday wishes and things like that. I'm really grateful about that. Including AARP. I'm not there yet. And even if I was there, you would be there first because you're older than me. <laughs> hey, they haven't called me yet. <laughs> I'm lucky. They got your cell phone number. Anyway, yeah. we're just going to ignore Big Daddy right now. <laughs> but um but yeah, it was it was a lovely time. I worked for half a day and then I came home and Big Daddy surprised me. Um, I got beautiful flowers. Are those gladiolas? What are those? I don't know. They just say, here are some white flowers. <laughs> there are some gorgeous flowers on our dining room table. And then he got me cupcakes. And then, oh my God, um, we went out to dinner, which we'll talk about later in the best thing I ate segment. Cause literally something incredible I had for dinner. So shout out to the people at Gino Steaks House in Maryville, Indiana. Yeah. But one of the things I jokingly told him was I wanted a Black Panther cake because I love the show Nailed It. And mm. if you guys have never seen Nailed It, first of all, seriously, shout out to Nicole Byer. Get your life. She's so great in that show. She's so funny. She's so pretty. Basically, what Nailed It is, is it's a cooking show for the rest of us. Mm. So the whole idea behind it is that... You know, with most cooking shows, you see the best of the best, and they can create these incredible sculptures of cake and frosting and icing and just be able to put together these beautiful works of art. No, this is this is like us regular folk trying to do that. And so they give you like a ridiculous amount of time, like 
they'll give you like two hours to recreate this towering three-tier cake with like you know a waterfall cascading out of it or something (laughs) and part of the fun is seeing the people just like try to recreate the cake without doing what I would have done halfway through and just say, fuck it, and just stuff something together. Just put their bad voices aside, <laughs> like, yeah, fondant is a bonding agent. <laughs> well, to be fair, some of them do just say, fuck it, and it's beautiful when they do. Cause yeah, I love you them, can, yeah. You can tell when they reach that moment where, like, they have 30, 30 minutes left and the cake is not even frosted, and they have to, like, put this, like, moving part on it, and they're just like, look. It's not going to happen. Yeah, all of a sudden. Let's like, just spray always, paint yeah, it. <laughs> let's just spray paint it again. Like, I've, I've only watched the show a couple times, but basically. I'm obsessed. Becomes, yeah, she becomes obsessed. Like, i watched it a few times, and for some reason, it seems like their savior ends up being like Rice Krispies or something. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I've learned way more about the baking process than I ever want to know. So, if all else fails, apparently, you can just get moldable Rice Krispies instead of just doing a cake and just putting frosting on it or fondant on it. Yes. So that is their saving grace. But back to the birthday cake. So one of the cakes they did was this really cool Black Panther cake where it looks like Black Panther's like head and claws are coming out of the, you know, Wakanda farts and, you know, the wooded area. And it's just so beautiful. And so I was jokingly telling Big Daddy when I was watching this, I was like, you know what? For my birthday, I'd like a Black Panther cake. So what he did is so cute. He gets me this, what is it, like a Little Mermaid cake? Because <laughs> I you know it was a Little Mermaid cake? I found the little pieces that were in the cake. Yeah, you found you them. Well. I got, yeah, I couldn't get them bad boys to the trash quick enough. <laughs> so he gets like a Little Mermaid cake. He takes all the stuff out of it. He has some frosted with Happy Birthday, my name. And then he, it's a Little Mermaid cake, so it has like a trident like you know, Aquaman's trident. So he left them trying to stick it in the cake. And then he finds like this <laughs> Black oh, Panther okay. action figure and he sticks it in the cake. So he's like standing in the cake. And it's awesome. <laughs> Awesomely awful. No, no, I loved it. And as I was slicing the cake, he fell over. <laughs> I was like, Black Panther down! Thanos is back! And went and knocked him completely out. <laughs> hey, my man was like, hey, I have one object to do. She said Black Panther. I said, guess what? I'm getting the Black Panther. And now I'm like thinking in retrospect, I think I paid more for that action figure than I did for the physical cake. <laughs> what the hell? It was awesome. If Can I just say, it was totally, totally cute. I took the pictures. I haven't had a chance to put them up on Instagram. So I'll share them on Instagram this week. But... It was incredibly sweet, and I I could not have asked for a better birthday. So, again, thank you to Big Daddy for the Black Panther birthday cake. I can honestly say you nailed it. <laughs> That's right. Didn't even need no Rice Krispies for That's it. That's right. Didn't even need a Rice Krispie treat or anything fake, fake the funk like that. You totally nailed it. But so. also, I'd like to say for the record, see, what the original plan was, was supposed to be, I was supposed to, like, tell her, like, I may have gotten her a cake or I may not. So that's why there was a reference to cupcakes at the beginning, because I was just going to tell her that, yeah, I got her a cake, but really it was a cupcake. But then somewhere in my mind, I was going to have the real cake, 
with the Black Panther, but for some reason, the Black Panther kept st- like standing up and then not standing up. So thus, I had to let that gig go quick. But yes, Black Panther got a quick introduction, and then he got quickly removed from the cake once he fell face first. Face down, booty up. <laughs> yeah, it happened with a quickness, too. It was so cute. It was just like, oh, Panther down, Panther down. <laughs> That's right. But um, in all um, honesty, I'm very grateful for a new year. Um, for those of you who followed me on Instagram, you know what? I'm going to admit it. I'm turning 45 this year. <gasps> yes, I'm turning 45, but it's okay because one, one, I don't look 45. Yo, I have nary a wrinkle. Let me just say that. <laughs> yes, black, don't crack. <laughs> you know, when they, they had that face app that was out a couple of <laughs> weeks ago and everyone was looking like, what are we going to look when I'm older? And then they're like, oh, wait, this is like a Russian, like, trap to get all of our information maybe we shouldn't use the app and i tweeted yo i don't need to know what i'm gonna look like when i'm older my mama is turning 70 next week shout out to my mom um but Mm -hmm. she's turning the big seven zero no wrinkles and just a few gray hairs on the temples of her or her temples so i'm just like i don't need to worry about that got it from my mama i love how you just put you know because you know your mama don't like you know being so uh Having her information being thrown out there, so we gotta give a shout out and we like to say that I had nothing to do with that at all. She, <laughs> it was absolutely her fault. That you is gonna true. Blame my, her? my parents are very, very private. In fact, to be honest, I'm not even sure my mom and dad knows. Okay, my dad knows, and my dad listens to the podcast, and it's so funny because he has suggestions for the podcast, and I can't share them because they are so not safe for work, and it's hilarious that it's coming out of my dad's mouth. Yeah, look, he all of a sudden became like Paul Mooney. Yes, he yeah. became like Paul Mooney. I'm just like, where were you when I was growing up? He's like, you know, I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I heard Richard Pryor come out your daddy. I'm like, oh, crap. We started a monster now, but that's cool. Well, my father, who's also turned 70 earlier this year, he probably just figured that, you know, my daughter's in her 40s. I guess she can take me seeing a few naughty words. Yeah, at the same time. Now you put your daddy's business out there, too. Ooh. He doesn't care. My father does not care. He wants to be on the podcast. We're working that out. But. Yeah, we got to, like, get the contract settled <laughs> and everything. I don't want to, like, you know, lose any royalty. I hold 17 cents. But the whole thing is that, um, yeah, I, I'm just really excited for the year. And. Mm-hmm. I have incredible plans, not only for, um, you know, growing the podcast and, of course, our our media company that we run to distribute all of our stuff, which is Plum Good Media. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be an incredible year. And I'm just going to look at it living in intention and putting things out into the universe and making it happen. And I'm going to do that with certainty. and. Okay. We've got some really cool plans that we hope to share with you guys soon, including, can we share just briefly that we're working on our first book? Uh, yeah, I guess we can. <laughs> Why are you acting surprised? We've talked about this for months now. We did, but I didn't know yet that we were sharing it. Well, we're not giving all of the details yet, but again, talking with intention, just like we made the podcast happen, the first book is actually on its way. So, um, we've, again, 
the Gourmet Goober podcast is actually an outshoot of the Gourmet Goober blog, which we've run for the past six years. So we've met a lot of incredible people and recipes and, you know, we've, you know, had media opportunities and things like that. So we are working on a book, which we'll be able to share more about soon. And so that is the next um, thing that'll go along with the podcast. And so whenever we get a little bit closer, um, we'll be able to get the details. But again, talking about this whole year of intention, that is the next phase of where we're going. So I can say that. Have we decided if it's the brunch one or the other one? Can the we share? Backyard barbecue cookout. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you can't give it too many deals, details away. Although I have to say, the brunch, the brunch one that we're doing is going to be hilarious. We actually are working on two books, but we're starting on the first one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we have a kind of full end as far as our "What's Eating Us" segment. So we're going to take a quick break this um right now and then when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about what's eating us including our thoughts on the debates and dipping in that kool-aid <laughs> shout out to cory booker as well as of always we close out every podcast with talking with the best thing we ate this week so thank you for listening to the gourmet goober podcast we'll be right back Hello, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And if you, like us, are slightly on the nerdy side and have an interest, fascination or musing for anything historical, then we have the podcast for you. Our podcast, A Nice Cup of History, takes a historical event, place or person and delves into the facts, fictions and myths surrounding it, all whilst enjoying a nice cuppa or sometimes something stronger. Each week, we finish with a special segment we call Ridiculous Deaths, which looks into the absolute bizarre ways some people have died or survived and what we can learn from them, such as why alcohol and sailing should never go hand in hand on a moonlit night and why bridges and butts don't mix. We are listened to globally, which blows our minds. So if you have any suggestions for topics for us to discuss, please let us know. So come join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts from and let's let's get get historical. historical. a system right now that's broken and if you want to compare records and frankly i'm shocked that you do uh, i am happy to do that because all the problems that he is talking about that he created i actually led the bill that got passed into law that reverses the damage that your bills and you are frankly to correct you mr vice president you are bragging calling it the biden crime bill up to 2015 thank you senator vice president biden Number one, the bill he talks about is a bill that in my our administration we passed. We passed that bill that you added on to. That's the bill, in fact, you passed. And the fact of the matter is, secondly, there was nothing done for the entire eight years he was mayor. There was nothing done to deal with the police department that was corrupt. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine. Um, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. And we are back. Back, Um, back. (laughs) 
Hey, this is JJ Outlaw. I'm here with T Outlaw, and you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. By now, you probably, if you follow politics, recognize what my <laughs> uh, my friend called jokingly the blackest moment of the debates this week. That's Cory Booker um, correcting um, Joe Biden on his record on stop and frisk using. Um, I have to say, I've never heard that saying before. I'm loving the saying, dipping in the Kool-Aid and don't know the flavor. <laughs> I don't even know what to take from it. That's the first time I've heard it. And I'm from the Midwest. And quite frankly, I've been this way for uh, a bit longer than the Gourmet Goober's been around. A very bit longer. But <laughs> yes, the first time I've heard that. But okay, yeah. Thank you for showing us some new uh, terminology there, kid. And we are at our segment of a podcast that we cover every week called What's Eating Us. And of course, um, the main story of the past week um, is that we um, basically had the debates. And there were two sets of Democratic debates that were held on CNN on Tuesday and Wednesday of uh, the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar, there's up to like 1,467,000,000. 50, 11 million candidates now running for the Democratic um, <laughs> um, choice of being their candidate for president. Yeah, it basically is almost like selecting a whole new, like, you know, Wu-Tang member. There are so many members, they can't get them all on stage, so. Oh my gosh, that is so true. It's yeah. literally, it's like <laughs> the Wu-Tang clan. Yeah, literally. There's so like, many. Yeah, there's so many, you know, there's only one mic, so thus. Or only one person can speak at a time, so that's, you know, they can only get somebody on stage, so that's that. You have to bring them on in multiple nights before they get a chance to pare them down. So basically, you know, within the 36 chambers, they all these people are arguing <laughs> to be the next Democratic uh, representative. Yes, the Gourmet Goober podcast, probably the only one that you will ever hear that compares the 2019 Democratic field to the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. But then again, the Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. So I'm going to take that lightly and move on. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, that's the first time I've heard uh, that statement. And like we were talking about off camera or uh, yeah, off, off mic. Night, that basically, you know, that's like, that must be something like a New Jersey, you know, like East Coast swing state type thing to say. Cause I ain't never heard that before. But okay, that's kind of like my mama saying, you know, you put your brain in a jaybird and they'll fly backwards or, you know, do two bears, do a cha-cha in a phone booth. <laughs> My mother's quite, you know, bring these little statements out. And we all kind of look at each other like, what the hell is you talking about, woman? <laughs> but, you know, well, that's despite, what said. Well, despite those phrases, which, by the way, I happen to always love it when your mom said about the, the polar bear and the cha-cha. No, I didn't yeah. know what that meant. <laughs> do two bears do the cha-cha in a phone booth? Yes. Oh, wait a minute. Is the Pope Polish? I don't know. I'm like <laughs> eight years old. Anyway, so that's one of the many sound bites that came out of this week's debate. And um, we wanted to touch upon it just briefly, even though I know that I've had a chance to see more of the debates than you. Yes. Um, because of the fact that, one, there is just so many people running for president right now. Um, and it's really hard when you have those type of debate um, type segments to hear anyone get a word in edgewise. Um, so literally when you have like a moment like Cory Booker um, 
making his affinity for the Kool-Aid known. <laughs> that does stand out. And uh, yeah, there were a few moments like when Tulsi Gabbard um, spoke openly on um, Kamala Harris's record, which honestly, I think she did a disservice because a lot of the things she said was dishonest. Like Kamala, when she, in the first debate, very clearly said that Biden was not a racist, but he did some problematic stuff. And so I think Tulsi did a disservice in smearing her record and what she said. Um, that said, we, we thought it'd be interesting to talk about it because there's just so much that's going on behind the scenes. And I know we talked about it a little bit on our last podcast. I know we don't want to make this a political thing because let's face it, every week something happens where it's just like, oh my God, I want to sign off on social media and just binge watch the regular show again. But there were some interesting moments and some interesting things that stood out. So um, Big Daddy thought it might be interesting to talk about it. Or did you just want to talk about the Kool-Aid? Because, you know... We'll talk about the Kool-Aid, you know. <laughs> we'll get into, we'll, we'll get into, you know, we'll stir it up a little bit, you know, <laughs> big sugar and all. But yeah, basically, from the get-go, um, in dealing with the current uh, crop of candidates, um, the debates are one still per, you know, as they say, uh, on certain uh, infomercial, you know, as for entertainment purposes only so far. Um, but in my mind. It, I almost want to take this to a, you know to the form of boxing, where we're looking at candidates who are all trying to find their spot and be the one to kind of nook in and become the as I would like to believe the super candidate to face off in the general election. Um, that being said, when you have that many people, not a lot of people are going to stand out. And yes, we have you know the hit makers who are. Of course, the former vice president. I don't know why they they always seem to refer to him as Vice President Biden because yes, at one point he was Vice President Biden, but we currently have another vice president currently as is. But um, but he is for the most part as we know in terms of polls the front runner. Um, we also have you know your hit makers like a Kamala Harris, like a um Elizabeth Warren, um, and former you know uh presidential candidate uh from 2016 uh bernie, bernie sanders. sanders yeah but you also have a lot of other people like you know it's like the six members of the beatles and whatever and then you have <laughs> the rest of those members of the beatles that weren't quite around when all the hits were made um uh, those members of destiny's child that got kicked to the side or conveniently fell off the stage but wow okay that's cruel. <laughs> it is cruel but that being said I think what starts to happen in these debates, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, but it seems to be that, you know, you have those people like a Bernie Sanders or most importantly, like a Joe Biden, who are in boxing terms, like guys who are kind of winning the copy pox stats with they're doing their jabs, um, the uppercuts, you know, the power punches, as you will, while everyone else amongst in the field they only have so much time, as you said, to kind of get their statement out or what their platform will be. And you have some people who are so far on the back that literally the only way they're going to get their time or their recognition is to throw straight haymakers that come off the top 
top rope. I'm sorry, I'm getting too wrestling in this. But uh, just to make themselves known and get their like 10 second clip, or as we noted in this little clip, one minute and four seconds about um, have, making themselves known to be like, okay, how can I get myself out there? And that includes the Tulsa Gabbard, that includes the Marion Williamson, that includes uh, even former, uh, I'm sorry, current uh, South Bend Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, basically, they're out here, like, you know, trying to get themselves, like, you know, as that stamp to be, okay, how can we build this person? But ultimately, I would like to believe what this thing is doing, and please forgive me, I'm not trying to go long on this, but my contention is, I would like to believe that we are building stronger candidates and by these debates and these little quorums. So you're saying the jobs are making them stronger candidates? Yeah, I want to make them stronger candidates without being um, too battled. Or I, like my, my term will always be, I'd rather them be battle-tested as they get ready for the 2020 portion of this, as opposed to being battle-weary, where, like, you know, by the time they're so busy beating up on each other, that by the time we get to the big gorilla or, you know, the general election candidate, that they're not already so damaged that they're going to become fodder for being knocked off, as you will. Well... <clears throat> I had a very unique opportunity to watch the debates. Um, I listened to the first set of debates because, again, I, as I mentioned, the first segment last week was just like hella crazy. And I had multiple grants due on the same day. And then what made it so bad was that I drove all the way to work and then our servers, our Internet, everything was down. So I had to drive all the way back to home. That's like an hour and a half drive and then work from home for three days. And so uh, on the day in question, I had, I was at Kinko's. Actually, it's not even Kinko's anymore. I'm sold. It's fed at office. I still call it Kinko's because they took over Kinko's. But I was sitting off um, um, a grant application that was due on the first. Um, so I was getting things copied and things because I didn't want to kill my printer. Um, but yeah, yeah, you, what, you keep going with that. I'm, I'm going to eat some of your uh, Black Panther cake while you say that. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. What I'm trying to say was I heard the first debate. And then on the second night, I had an opportunity to take part in this really great um, collective of Black women who was listening to Blake, the debate that was organized by um, Leslie Mack, which, by the way, if you guys don't follow Leslie Mack on Twitter, you're missing out on something. She... And her husband, Drew, who um, is under the handle Very White Guy, <laughs> um, they're an interracial couple. They host this really cool podcast that it's rumored to be coming back. So shout out to Leslie, bring it back, <laughs> um, the Interracial Jean podcast. But she got together a group of women where we listened to the debates. Um, we were on webcam and we were interacting with each other. So it was really cool just to see how people were responding to you know, some of the hits of the night and things like that. Um, stuff that stood out for me is that while, as Big Daddy had said, everyone is looking for their own sound bites um, to pull ahead in the debates, the way the debates were really organized didn't really give you an opportunity to focus a lot on policy. So a lot of the questions were pitted against one another, like so-and-so said that your policy sucks. 
How do you feel about that? And it's 15 seconds. Go. <laughs> and we're counting the question that we're asking is part of the 15 seconds. So now you have five. Go. <laughs> so that was really frustrating. But I was really, I, I, I took it very interesting that my response to listening to the first debate as I was going about my business and listening on Next Time Radio was very different than actually seeing the audience and seeing the people on the second night of the debates. And so it kind of gave me an opportunity. I don't think I probably would have otherwise to like focus in on like Elizabeth Warren and some of her policies and um, Bernie Sanders. It was interesting. They put the two super progressive people together on the same night. And then the, the following night, they had all the people of color on one stage. I know that was just kind of a weird coincidence, but um, I think that gave me the first time to listen to Andrew Yang and, you know, some of the things he got to say in about the fact that AI is a really big issue. And not only mm-hmm. that, but as tech grows, um, we have to understand that, you know, diverse communities need to be part of that process as well. Um, so there was a lot of great points. I'm, I, I don't know if there's anyone that I came away really kind of like, oh my gosh, maybe Marianne Williamson, which is kind of odd because I read her books in the 90s, like Return to Love and A Course of Miracles. Don't judge me, y'all. Oprah signed off on it. And back there in the 90s, if Oprah said read something, you read it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be disappeared. I lived in the Midwest. Chicagoland is not that far from where she taped for where I grew up. Oprah tell you to do something, you do it. Mm-hmm. But so, see, <laughs> one, you're saying it's Oprah's fault, and two, yes. when was the last time y'all saw Stedman? Okay, we're not going to go into that. My okay. husband seems to think that Stedman is, is like... He's on the second shut-in list. <laughs> He's on the second shut-in list. When Oprah used to have the story years ago, we would go in, and we would joke, like, where's Stedman? And Thomas is like, yeah, he's in the back folding the actual shirts Church. and put them in bags for you to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the one putting the yeah. He's the one putting the like you know little letters on the uh, the Oprah mugs. Yes, he's the one that's like every Oprah mug, the little stamp of the price tag. That's what Stedman is doing. Mm-hmm. That is not true, and Stedman is a very accomplished person, and he's an alumni of ours. Okay, so let's be nice to Stedman. Hey, I'm down with it. At the same time, you know, he might be like you no, know, doing the uh, Jeffrey Owens uh, working at Trader Joe's thing on the side. You know, hey, there's no shame in that. No, no shade. At the same time, no brother got to make a little money because, you know, Oprah's making money too. All good. I know things going crazy, including uh, things jumping off the scale. But, yeah, it was one big party. We're doing our thing. And the most important thing is that, yeah, during the debates, you know, Marion Williamson did make a, she made a lot of interesting statements that I kind of agree with. So, thus, hopefully it's a... Uh, it results in positive interaction. I almost want to see if, like, the, the eventual Democratic candidate takes some of the ideas that were formed in these debates to into the general election. So well, kind of like it's a bunch of ideas that are free-flowing as opposed to, like, everyone, like, becoming um, attack dogs. Well, here's the thing. And in, in general, I've read... Um, because I used to study political science. In fact, mm. I used to be a double major in poli-sci and TCOM until I realized that, dude, I want to finish in four years. And I, um, But, yeah, poli-sci has always been kind of an interest of my political science. And 
I know in general that that's not uncommon, particularly since now we see kind of like a very progressive wing of um, the Democratic Party um, reflected in Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, Mm. um, as opposed to some of the more moderates that are out there like Bennett and Delaney and um, Hickenlooper, I think the dude's name is. Hicken what? His name is Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper? I have to admit, some of the other <laughs> candidates after a while, they all kind of look the same. So on the sounds, second yeah. night, I was like, wait, are, are you like the former mayor? Or are you? <laughs> and I feel bad about that. So, Mr. Hickenlooper, I'm sorry. It almost sounds like <laughs> Quackenbush. Stop. <laughs> anyway, um, so it wouldn't be unheard of for them to kind of merge some of those ideas. And hopefully... What I'm hoping will happen from these debates is that they will take some of the best of all the thoughts that are out there because it's a very big party and there's a lots of information and lots of ideas and you want to see that integrated. And um, the next the next debate mm-hmm. that's going out, um, just so you know, they won't hopefully be like 50 million people on the stage, um, so that. The next debate requires at least 130,000 unique donors, 400 unique donors per state, and at least 20 states, and then needs to have each candidate receive at least two or more percent and four national polls, or polls in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and or Nevada. And as of right now, only eight of the candidates okay. actually qualify, and that's Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Mayor Buttigieg, um, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. And there's a couple of people who are close to qualifying, which I'm really excited about. One is Julian Castro, which I have to admit, I'm, I'm a fan of his because he's wicked smart. His brother's wicked smart. I've read his works and things like that. So, And their story is really fascinating. And then Andrew Yang, is, I think, is come bringing up the rear. Um, so they are very close to qualifying it as well. And it looks like the other candidates as of yet haven't actually made it um, to where they need to be. So we hopefully will see a much smaller stage next time, which I welcome because, again, you you don't really Mm -hmm. get an opportunity to hear the ideas that you want to. But... um, One mic. (laughs) We're not going to give them one mic. They're not the temptation. I'm just saying. <laughs> five dudes on stage. One mic. One mic. <laughs> we'll have like 15 rappers each having their own mic, you know, just standing there. That's how we'll get down like that. So, yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to see that. And thank you for Leslie Mack for giving me the opportunity to take part in those really great um, black women change makers and see their responses for um, what's going on in the Republic. I'm sorry, the democratic race for um, president. And hopefully we will have more details on the layout of the debate going forward. But I know you had a question and that was what flavor of Kool-Aid do you think he's? Yes, I was hitting. I was like, what flavor (laughs) of Kool-Aid is Cory Booker referring to? And I'm sitting here like, bruh, bruh. Come on now. What what is the you know, what's the Jersey Garden State flavor Kool-Aid? 
that that Joe Biden is uh, missing out on? You know the answer to that is always red. Always Duh. red. Red Kool Aid. And for those of you who are listening, yes, red Kool Aid is a flavor. Okay, don't judge us on that. <laughs> Growing up, yes, that was this, kind yeah. of the uniform thing. According what are you drinking? Red Kool Aid. Red Kool Aid. Have you ever had to explain to people the phenomena of red Kool Aid? Because I have to admit, I, 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 I think I was eight, mm-hmm. right? And I think I told the story last podcast of how I didn't start going to a fully integrated school until I was in second grade. Um, and when I was in school one time, we were talking about, yeah, we're going to have like an in-service day and we're going to do like field day and stuff like that. And afterwards, we're going to have Kool-Aid. And I remember asking the classmate like, oh, what flavor is it going to be? It's going to be red. And the classmate looked at me like, Red is not a flavor. Red is a color. And I was deeply offended because I'm like, look, every black person I know, it's red Kool-Aid. It's just red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so years later, one of my good friend, Mindy, um, I was talking to her and I, I accidentally said red. I'm like, no, I mean cherry Kool-Aid. And she goes, no, 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 it's okay. And she leans in and she goes, red is a flavor. I'm like, yes, you get me. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's red, it's red Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm just saying in my mind, yeah. Growing up in this house, <laughs> uh, growing up with, with my parents and whatever, you know what? Mama brought home some Kool-Aid. Sometimes she would let you choose. Sometimes you just get the Kool-Aid you were brought home to. Um, and I didn't, I knew not to dip my, you know, myself in the wrong Kool-Aid as Corey was saying, but or made up. But in this house, it basically became, you know what? You got some Kool-Aid, go enjoy yourself. Sometimes I'd be the person like, you know, when I wanted to, I could run up in the cut the cabinet and grab the, you know, can of Kool-Aid or the packets or whatever. And I would be the one who was in charge of mixing it. That's probably why, you know, like the kid in the house party, I was the one dimping the entire bag of sugar. And, you know, it'd be so heavy that, you know, the spoon would stand up in the pitcher. That was me. <laughs> that was my little brother to the point where mom wouldn't let him near the Kool-Aid anymore because, you know, he'd start adding <laughs> sugar to it. And next thing you know, um, there's like so much sugar and like little water. Yeah. You have the red coloring. <laughs> you have like basically all water and then like nothing but sugar. And it would be like, literally, you'd be sitting there stirring it from top to bottom. And I had like a routine where it'd be so heavy that, yeah, I, for some reason, my forearms got really strong mixing that Kool-Aid because I was putting in some work. But uh, my favorite flavor of Kool-Aid, man. Yeah, like, let's start off with the fact that, yes, red is a color and it is a flavor. It is a mix of something flavor. And I, you know what? remember that exchange when I was a little girl with a classmate mm. and I was just deeply offended like of course stupid I know red is a color but it's also a flavor of Kool-Aid and don't judge me mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of my other classmates were like no it's not they clearly there's no packet that says red but I came home and I remember asking and it's one of those like cultural things that you just kind of accept in fact it's really kind of funny 
how it's just sort of a uniform accepted thing that red Kool-Aid is a, a, a drink. In fact, um, there's a podcast that I'm addicted to. It's a really great cooking podcast that's called The Splendid Table. Um, it's from NPR. Really? Um, yes. It used to be hosted by Lynn Rosetta Casper, and she has since moved on, and they have another host. And please forgive me, because I listened to the other host, and I can't remember your name right now, but he's great, too. But I remember Lynn had this um gentleman by the name of Adrian Miller. Adrian and Miller. He is actually um a culinary historian and his focus is on soul food and southern cooking. Okay. And so he has this really great book which if you guys haven't read yet, I strongly recommend it. It's called Soul Food: The Surprising Story of an American Cuisine One Plate at a Time. And Lynn interviewed him and I'll never get this interview and so I looked it up and I knew where to find it right away. And it was talking about the cuisine that African-American is traditionally eaten in the South has had a broader base. So he talks about, you know, some of the traditional things about black eyed peas and mac and cheese and candied yams. Mm -hmm. But it's really funny mm -hmm. because he actually included a chapter in the book. <laughs> I think daddy's licking his lips right now. He included a chapter in a book on red drinks. And the reason why he said, I think red Kool-Aid is the official soul food drink. And yes, red is a flavor that you should know that. So it's just sort of like accepted as part of our culture. And I'm not really sure anyone's ever said definitively why, although he comes close, talking about how it's just a thing. You know, it's just accepted. So as far as I can remember, that's no matter if I'm here in Indianapolis and visiting with my family or going to visit my family down south. The one thing is, if you said red Kool-Aid, there was no debate of what that was. We just kind of understood it. Yeah, you know? I mean, sometimes, yes, you would, if you were going in the store and you saw strawberry or cherry or fruit punch, you could pick it up, but it was all interspersed as thus. It's just red, red Kool-Aid. Kool <laughs> yeah, there's no debate or discussion about which one it is, you're just going to get whatever one you picked up. Yes. And that's the drink you're going to drink, which is, I think what's still funny about this entire thing is, we're having this big old discussion about Kool-Aid, especially red Kool-Aid. And my favorite player growing up was great Grape. <laughs> no, Grape Kool-Aid's was the bomb, actually. Actually, next to red, Grape was my favorite flavor. Yeah. The only flavor Kool-Aid actually I remember hating was orange, and that was only because my mother loved orange. And it's not, the, let me just say, it's not because my mother loved orange, okay? It was how that manifested itself in our house. So this is like a typical conversation. Okay, so it's time for us to make some more Kool-Aid. Yay, all the little siblings of mine saying that. Okay, so we have grape, we have red, we have like some other flavor, like whatever the blue flavor was, and they usually rotated, so I think it was like blue raspberry most of the time. And then we have orange flavor. What flavor do you want? Red Kool-Aid! Raspberry! My mom is like, okay, we'll make orange. <laughs> mm. To this day, I hate orange Kool-Aid. Mm. It's kind of like, <laughs> I think I told you about my secret hate of butter pecan. Not that butter pecan ice cream is terrible. Actually, butter pecan ice cream is the nectar of the gods. But the same thing happened where it's just like, okay, I'm going to send you to the store to pick up some ice cream because it's hot. Um, 
what flavor do you want to pick up? And my siblings are like, oh, chocolate. No, chocolate chip. No, mint chocolate chip. No, vanilla. My mom is like, okay, better be kind. Here you go. <laughs> mm. Frank Pappenshade. You'll be like, none of this Neapolitan, none of this. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get the strawberry as chocolate. No. And you're going to catch, to... You're gonna catch this butter no, pecan. Exactly. You're going to take this butter pecan and like it. Mm. And for those of you out there who have the mom relationship with your mothers and saying, well, Jennifer, why JJ, why didn't you just talk back and just say, no, we really didn't vote for that. I had a black mother and you just don't do that. Mm-mm. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> for those of you who may be confused, <laughs> let me just say, I had a black mama, so that didn't happen. Yeah, you just catch whatever, <laughs> like, you're going to, whichever one doesn't get you caught with the shoe. But yeah, exactly. but I will For describe sure. to you yeah, exactly. But I will describe to you since um, this is very old school for me. I used to have a thing where you know you would go in the store and you can get like this little uh, curtain of the Kool Aid, and it would come in the little you know individual packets and whatever. Right. But it would be all within this little curtain, and you would kind of select your curtain because I think it would be like ten cent or seven cent each. Um. So my mother would always say, "All right, just go get like you know the little curtain or whatever." Now, of course, my way of handling this was I would always be the one that would go get it. But always, you know, the curtain would come with like mixtures of flavors. We're just going to say that, you know, when you in a, a store, the curtain may get uh, readjusted before, you know, I take it back to the cart. We're just going to say that red Kool-Aid, thus meaning the strawberry, sometimes the cherry, really a live grape. And, uh, as you said, raspberry, like there will always be like one or two. I started growing into like lemonade or whatever. Oh yeah. Lemonade was great. Yeah. But it'll be one of those things where the carton says you get like, you know, a mixture and that would include like the oranges and whatever, but yeah, lime and orange didn't end up in that carton because damn it. I may have changed up the order of the carton and a lot of different, we're just going to say, um, Familiar flavors ended up in there, including red. So, yeah, I may have done some adjustment in the store. <laughs> I could not have gotten away with that. But shout out to Cory Booker for bringing Kool-Aid into the, the, the political conversation. Yeah. So we don't think that he's dipping into the red Kool-Aid because, you know, I, I have a feeling that that's what Cory likes. And Rosario he, Dawson. <laughs> Speaking of flavor this week. One thing that hit the pop culture medium, besides the Kool-Aid talking and the debate, is that there's two companies that came out with two very different and very unique flavors of ice cream and ice cream-related products. So Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer, the maker of the ever-elusive Oscar Mayer hot dog. And the B-O-L-O-G-N-A. <laughs> exactly. They actually reported earlier this month that they're debuting a hot dog flavored ice cream sandwich. What? what? Yes, it is a hot dog flavored ice cream sandwich. So listen to this. So it's a hot dog flavored ice cream sandwich with spicy um, Dijon mustard gelato and candied hot dog pieces. And it's sandwiched between two cookie... Um, two cookies. Isn't that weird? The, that, they call them cookie yeah. buns. Cookie buns. Cookie buns. That sounds like cinnamon buns going wrong. 
So they did a collaboration with this company out of New York. Um, it's called Il Laboratorio del Gelato. And so starting the week of August 12th, you're in New York City. The Wiener Brewville will be visiting your place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will be handing out these hot ice dogs. They call them ice dogs for free. Now, it's also possible if you want to sample it and you don't live in the New York area. And I admit, we did this. <laughs> so I'll let you guys know um, how it turns out. But I, you can send them a DM on Twitter and say, hey, I would like to try the new ice dog. Um, you were slipping into the, the Oscar Mayer DMs? <laughs> yes. Wow. I slipped into the Oscar Mayer DMs. Mm. <laughs> you sirs. So... That was one unique thing that came out this week. And then the other thing not to be outdone was that French's, the maker, the famous maker of mustard. Mustard. Yes. They actually created their own mustard flavored ice cream. Mustard flavored ice cream. Yes. So they collaborated with a company that's called Cool House Ice Cream. And I've had them before. And so to mark National Mustard Day. It is a yellow mustard ice cream, and they pair it with a pretzel cookie. So if you live in Los Angeles and New York, and just as a side note, yo, come to Chicago. (laughs) But anyway, if you live in Los Angeles, New York, starting the week of August 1st, so they're already giving these out, you can actually take advantage and try this. However, they actually are giving the recipe, which I'll reveal later in this segment. So Mm. if you wanted to make your own mustard ice cream at home, you can. So, Big Daddy, since I know that you are a true aficionado of ice cream. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Don't try to think about it. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say that because you like one particular flavor of ice cream. Vanilla. Vanilla. Now banana, so, vanilla. So Big Daddy, every time we go to the grocery store, he tries to pick up some vanilla ice cream. So maybe I should say a true fish novel of the basic bland ice cream of vanilla. Okay, just because, <laughs> all right, I get it. I hate up on the Becky ice cream. I get it. That's on me. How do you feel about these crazy flavors? <laughs> and more importantly, would you try it? <clears throat> I haven't quite. Uh, I have contemplated this like when when it was first brought up to me, and as a person who does partake of Becky ice cream, um, <laughs> don't call it that. Oh my god! I'm sorry. It's it's vanilla. That was supposed to be between us. <laughs> hey, I, I I'm the one who's eating it, but yes, uh, I, I partake of Becky ice basic cream. Basic ice cream. Basic ice cream. Yes, basic ice cream. <laughs> You know, long back Taylor Swift ice cream. I get it. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, direct all your complaints to his Twitter. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> My name is Rudy Rudy Rowe. Now, um, <laughs> at the same time, I I like vanilla ice cream because it's a very simple base flavor, and thus coming from the uh, vanilla plant, um, you can add so many different things as to the vanilla ice cream because it. Is base flavor, um, base but not basic. So I'm open to trying it. If uh, nice people at French's and what was the Oscar Mayer um like to hook us up, we'll partake of 
a little bit of this, and I will be brutally honest. Um, that being said, I like to come in with an open mind. I'm a little concerned because usually, yes, I do like my ice cream. Very sweet. And not so much like, you know, raw and savory. But now I'm starting to think, so if New York is bringing in some, you know, some hot dog flavors and, you know, whether it be New York or L.A., you know, they're bringing in some mustard flavor. So if they were to come to Chicago and say, listen, Chicago, what's your flavor? Or like, you know, G.I., what's your oh. flavor? What would be the flavor? Because apparently I know it won't have ketchup involved. But You know what? And I was just thinking that for the yeah. Oscar Meyer one. Mm-hmm. Like, would it be wild if they did, like, a, their own, like, Chicago dog flavor? Like, With Jardinier all over it? Well, no. I mean, they don't put Jardinier on the hot dog. They put Jardinier on, like, the Italian Italian beef. No, it's it would have, like, what? Like, that weird green mustard that they put on the Chicago dog like and the sports pepper mm-hmm. and the um, celery seeds. Oh my god, that would be wild. And you know what? I'm I'm a fan of sweet and savory. I am, depending on if it's a good balance of sweet and savory. Yeah, but then your ice cream? Mm. I you mean know, I could I could see it in I your mean, bread or I can see it in like yeah, something savory is you know. I mean I've eaten some of sweet of and meat. salty ice cream before, but I guess this would go more than that. Plus they have so many you know regulations like you know if you have your mustard, you gotta have it with pretzel, you know, sticks or something. I'm like, I imagine that they did that in the case of the Frenches, because they, if you read the recipe for the Frenches um, ice cream, mm-hmm. um, the one that they give, they recommend that you pair it with either a pretzel cone or a pretzel cookie. And I imagine that because of the level of sugar they put in it to counter the tang of the mustard, that you probably want something salty in order to counter that. So I totally get that. And, you know, it's kind of like, what is it? Chubby hubby. There's like one like Ben and Jerry flavor that I really love that has like pretzel. Yeah, it's called chubby. It's called chubby hubby. And it has pretzel bits in it. I'm doing Tom Willis dance. But in the case of the ice cream or the ice dog sandwich, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many flavors that are competing. So it's not just the spicy Dijon gelato, but they pair it with this hot dog sweet cream, which looks comes like a um, chocolate chip cookie dough or chocolate chip ice cream. But then with the chocolate chips, they put candied hot dog bits. And then they have like the cookie, which looks like a basic, um, I don't know, like a basic chocolate mm. chip or basic wafer cookie. So hmm. it just seems like there would be a lot of competing flavors um, for it on that particular one. That said, I admit, I almost would be game for the the vanilla ice cream. In fact, I'm really... Oh, not the vanilla, the mustard ice cream. And okay. I might be tempted to, like, make it. Which... Yeah, because I got some frozen hot dogs in the freezer downstairs. And <laughs> I can make this simple. So if you are so inclined, Frenches, because they know that not everyone can get to L.A. or New York, they if you actually go to McCormick.com, you can actually find Frenches mustard ice cream recipe. And so they 
um, give it to you so you can make it yourself. The cool thing is, I guess it's like a no-churn ice cream recipe. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it might be something that you may want to try in the future. But, um, yeah, if you guys happen to want to try it, um, you can go to their website. They can show you all about how to make it. It looks super simple. Um, so. And they even give you the recipe on how to make the pretzel cookie. Which looks like it's more cookie than pretzel. They just have a pretzel embedded into the, the actual dough. Okay. But it doesn't look, sound as, as bitter. Looking, yeah. yeah, because the recipe includes heavy cream, sweetened condensed milk, whole milk, um, corn sugar, a, a fourth cup of light corn syrup, rather. Um, two tablespoons of sugar. So if you think about it, that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. And then a, a fourth a cup of mustard. Vanilla extract, and then a teaspoon of and one eight teaspoon of salt. So if you think about it, it may not be as bitter and crazy as it sounds. Mm. So yeah, I I think, you know what? I think I may want to try the vanilla ice cream. In fact, I'm not the vanilla, the mustard ice cream. In fact, I'm converting you. No, no. You will one day go basic with me. Never the vanilla. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you like vanilla. If I put some bluebell right here, you would shut up. <laughs> you want it? Well, maybe not now with people licking the bluebell, but we'll, get we'll talk that about that time. in another segment. But yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to them for making that. And you know what? I may actually create the ice cream, and if I do, I will put it on our Instagram page, and I'll share with you guys what it is. I have a feeling that since you only add a fourth a cup of mustard to it, you really can't taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely see. But it's really interesting. So go to their website, and you guys want to make it, just tag us on Instagram or Twitter with hashtag the goob, and we'd love to see your take on the mustard ice cream. All right, holla! <clears throat> give you something. So one other thing that we wanted to talk about that came out in pop culture this week um, is actually um. Something that we just recently found out that's going away. And that's the Steak and Shake franchise. That they've been going through a lot of financial problems. Mm. And I don't know. Did we talk about this in a podcast before? For life me, I know we, you know, part of our lives, especially from the time we met each other forward, has involved uh, some form of Steak and Shake um, interaction. But I don't remember anything about this particular part of the steak and shake uh history uh with this you know impending doom as you will occurring but yeah i have not heard i i'm I'm sorry i have not like i don't remember talking about it like well if you've not first of all if you're not familiar with steak and shake steak and shake is it's a restaurant it's mainly focused in the midwest however they do have restaurants in the south um the mid-atlantic the western united states um, I found that, that recently they have a huge following, believe it or not, in Europe and particularly in the Middle East as well, really? which is fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and for some parts of the country, you may be familiar with Steak and Shake because they do have a wide range of um, their burgers and other things online or not online, but on like the frozen food section. But for, if you grew up anywhere in the Midwest, Steak and Shake is kind of ubiquitous. Um, it's uh, pretty much everywhere. In fact, 
grown up in Indianapolis, the, the corporate office is taking shake its base there. Um, so they're kind of like their basic diner. Um, they have like this 50 theme, so you can get like these incredible milkshakes. Um, they're known for their take on the Cincinnati chili, so you can get them made a multiple ways. And if you're not familiar with Cincinnati chilies, um, it's chili and it comes with um, spaghetti and it's topped usually with onions and cheese and it's just hella good. Mm -hmm. um, but they're known for being open 24 hours. And I recently, one of the um, podcasters that I follow on Twitter recently tweeted that he was in Indianapolis for Gen Con, which is one of their um, kind of like their board game and their verse, their smaller version of like Comic Con in the city of Indianapolis. It's really taken flight over the last few years. Um, they all decided to head over to Steak and Shake, and Steak and Shake used to be over in twenty four hours, and now the majority of them in the area, he says, are are closed. In fact, Steak and Shake recently closed more than a hundred locations throughout the country, wow. and this is actually um, happening amid some reports of their financial problems that they've been experiencing um, at Juliet. In fact, they s recently suffered a downgraded credit rating, which means that it'll be hard for them as a business to get money or something. Okay. Um, I just thought mm. I'd just mention it <laughs> because one steak and shake is sort of like it. If again, if you grew up in the Midwest, there's many stories around that storied franchise. If, for example, Roger Ebert famously took Oprah Winfrey. This is crazy. A lot of people don't know this. Hopefully people know who Roger Ebert was. He was kind of a legend in the film um, review, review business. business. Yeah. But yeah, believe it or not, he actually once dated Oprah Winfrey. And their first date was at a steak and shake. In fact, Roger Ebert was famously obsessed with steak and shake. Yes, he yes. was. <laughs> I know for me personally... You know, Steak and Shake was kind of like the place that you went, you know, growing up on the east side of Indy after going to see the movies and hanging out with your friends. It was the one hangout that was always open 24-7, so you could always go day or night. Um, so it was always there. Um, actually, I, I think, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said, shared this on the podcast, but Big Daddy and I were like best friends for years. And the day that I realized that I actually was like, oh, my God, this is the man I'm going to marry one day <laughs> when I was in college was at a steak and shake. Yes. Because <laughs> I hate like that. <laughs> okay. While he's bragging, he didn't know at the time that that was the thought I had. <laughs> no. When she put, yeah, when she did express um, some of her feelings to me, I almost choked on my chocolate milkshake. But then I realized that, you know. You know, as a brother, you know, who is of deep chocolate descent, um, I, I was quite impressed. But yes, this was this was at a steak and shake um, over on the east side of um, Muncie. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it we was were sharing. We were sharing. We were sharing a what? A strawberry milkshake. Chocolate. Yeah, it was a chocolate milkshake because that's all we had money for. <laughs> Mm, we were college Which, students. We were college students, broke as hell. And it's just like, hmm. So we're going to get one milkshake and two straws. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're buds. I, I, I know you don't have cooties. And even if you do, I don't care. We're broke. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just looking at him. I was like, over the steak and shake. And it's like, oh my God. You know what? 
this is the guy I want to marry. Yeah. <laughs> do I still have the uh, more stay here? Actually, I think you did. Okay. It was yeah. before you shaved everything off. <laughs> no, God shaved all that off. <laughs> but yeah, steak and shake uh, was a part of, of our college lives. And uh, most of our, I guess, going into that point, adult lives. And now we're realizing that, yeah, it is a different world from where we came from. And maybe Steak and Shake will be part of it going into the future. Maybe not. Well, to be fair, part of the reason why Steak and Shake is having so much problems is the fact that they actually um, owe over $7 million in unpaid overtime. Um, the wow. corporate office who owns Steak and Shake, um, they got embroiled in a legal drama after 286 managers claimed they worked 50 to 70 hours a week without overtime page, which is insane. So um, I, I think they came to a settlement and they're trying to do that. Um, but as you can imagine, that's taking its toll on it. So we could soon be without their ultra thin patties and delicious thin fries and, of course, the bean crock that everyone comes to love about Steak and Shake. So shout out to them. I hope they can get their legal woes together because I can't imagine a world without the Steak and Shake. Um, but if one does exist, I just want to say thank you for the memories and for making me realize that I want to marry this lug. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Steak and Shake. And damn it, your shakes in the middle of the night, are, uh, they're pretty much the bomb. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. yeah, right before they closed the Steak and Shake closest to us, we used to, like, drive over there all the time in order to, like, pick up a late-night shake. And I knew something was wrong because one day we went to the Steak and Shake and they couldn't give us shakes. And I'm like, dude, it's in the name. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> That's yeah. literally what you're there for. Yeah, you're giving... It's like you're going there, to KFC and no chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's like, your name says Steak, steak and, and Shake. shake. <laughs> if I show up and there's neither a steak... Or, a, or shake. a shake. Then why are you there? Then you have a problem. Yeah, so that was my first clue that perhaps something was wrong with that. Yes. <laughs> um, one thing else, speaking of legal woes, we want to wrap up really quickly is I don't know if you guys have heard about the tipping scandal with DoorDash. And so if you're like me, you have probably have taken part in the the boom of deliveries that's come from DoorDash and from Grubhub and things like that. For um, DoorDash, this thing is particularly um, just awful because what actually happens is, say, for instance, they do a delivery, right? Mm -hmm. And they pick up their order and they bring it to your, your house and they are promised $7 as the base of their delivery. Yeah, they're tipping in like their maintenance of delivery. Oh, no. So this is even before the tip. Okay. So what actually happens is that, say, for instance, the meal, they get, the meal is like, I don't know, $14 or something. They're promised like $6 off the bat. You give them two because you're grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, They will actually take the $2 that you meant to add on to their guaranteed six. And they would just say, oh, no, you're still getting six. We're just going to lower what we're paying you. To give you this two dollars, so basically, there becomes less fault upon them to right. like endow to owe you, you know, said money, even though you were basically promised X amount of money. Yeah, so it's really kind of jacked up, basically. And of course, they didn't tell the consumer, 
So when you're thinking you're leaving a generous tip, in actuality, you're hurting the delivery drivers who are coming to your door because they're just lowering the amount that they promise these people by the amount of your tip so that they never see the tip. And what's so messed up is if you order from DoorDash, there's already a delivery fee that they tack on that's separate from the tip. And they say that they do this to keep in business. So they're keeping the delivery fee. They're using your tip in order to supplement what they promised to pay them. And the driver gets hosed. So when this first came out um, and it was revealed in a lot of, um, I think it was first revealed in the New York Times and then Grub Street and a lot of other foodie related um, things like Ad Edge picked it up as well. Um, what the CEO said, it's like, oh, sorry that you found that I'm a crook. <laughs> I will go ahead and change it. But like this week when I was working from home because everything was not working in my office, I ordered from DoorDash and I just tipped them in cash because I'm just like, this way I know that you're not going to get screwed over. This is your money above and beyond. Do what you can. So um, shout out to the New York Times for identifying what happened with this terrible scandal. Hopefully the drivers and the people who work for DoorDash um, and I know that other businesses do it too. It's just how it happens that DoorDash was the one that got caught. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to hopefully they will be able to do the right thing and do right by their drivers and at least become transparent from the consumers. Because I know that the multiple times that I tip the drivers and tip them well, because they come out in the rain and late at night and just all sorts of ridiculous conditions so we don't have to get off our rusty dusty and go get our food. But basically they're being dishonest to the people that are supporting their their business. And so if you do have to order from DoorDash before they come up with it, tip your driver in cash. Just give them a heads up, say thank you because they're doing your great service. Also, you know, tip them only because the gotcha. Only because I just want to make sure they don't do things to my uh my food. Well, yes, you want to tip them because they're doing you a service. (laughs) I want them sipping my drink. (laughs) So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and wrap things up with the best thing we eat this week. Hey, I'm JT Outlaw, veteran here the Gourmet Cooper. Let me ask you something. Do you love conversations about hood snacks, deep philosophical discussions, and why... I don't know, corn dogs should be called meat Twinkies? Or why Love & Hip Hop Atlanta has the right level of ratchet? Well, if you've answered yes to any of these questions, you might be a goober, which is why you should be a part of our bi-weekly podcast where we tackle life's most important foodie and pop culture questions like why community fries should be a thing. <laughs> and if you love the Gourmet Goober podcast, how about supporting us? You can give us a five-star review on Stitcher and iTunes, you can drop us a line at thegourmetgooper at gmail.com. You can advertise with us, or you can visit anchor.fm backslash gourmetgooper, click the support this podcast button, and put just five on it to help support independent media. So, if you're a goober like me, no worries. Just join us here at The Gourmet Goober, be a part of our bi-weekly podcast, and support us now at anchor.fm backslash gourmetgooper. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Hey 
guys. So we are back um, on this episode of The Gourmet Goober. And I ate all our cake. <laughs> he did not eat all of my cake. <laughs> but anyway, as we do every podcast, we wanted to close things out with a segment that we call the best thing that we ate this week. That's when we shine a spotlight on the restaurants, the um, little hole in the walls, the really cool places that if you're in the Chicagoland area and beyond, you can try um, discover for yourself. Um, before we go into that, one thing I do want to say that has come up in the last couple podcasts. <sighs> I have found the okra, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, okra moment. <laughs> Drum roll, Boom. Boom. So if you listen to our podcast regularly, you may have remembered an episode that we called Are You Gumbo Worthy? And one of the things that came up is my husband's love of my Grandma Edline's gumbo, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like um, a mixture of different gumbo recipes that I've inherited over the years. Um, it's a chicken and andouille gumbo. Being a traditionalist, there's certain things that I don't skimp on whenever I make gumbo for my husband, and, and I don't make it that often for that reason. But one thing in particular that you cannot have good gumbo without is okra. And for some weird reason, I could not find okra anywhere. Not in the store, not in the freezer section. Um, there was just no okra to be had. So shout out to my boss who heard me of all people. <laughs> talk about how my poor husband is staring at the Andouille sausages in the suffering. fridge every week. Just suffering, as he says, because he wants me to make his <laughs> annual dose. Oh, in limbo. <laughs> I'm, I'm just suffering. <laughs> I'm like laid out on the floor. I just want some gumbo. Okay, first of all, ladies and gentlemen. Oh dear God! I'm it's not like he out. doesn't go with. It's not like he goes without. Oh. oh. And to be fair, oh. I don't mean gumbo because gumbo is time intensive. Yeah. Huh? You know, you have to sit and meet the roux, and that takes a while, and chop all the vegetables, and I prepare the chicken a certain way. And then she has to like carry the bowl up um, a steep hill. About 13 miles one way in a <laughs> snowbank um, with alligators following behind her. <laughs> you know, did I, wait a minute, did I miss anything? Like, you know, did, did you have to pull a bus behind you too while yes. you know, carrying the group? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All of that. All of that. <laughs> so anyway, shout out to my boss. She was in the store and she's like, oh my gosh, there's frozen okra. So I get this text from her over the weekend. By the way, I have two bags of frozen okra for you. That's right. Not one, but two. <laughs> so long story short, Big Daddy will get his gumbo. One day I will get my gumbo no. and I will be happy. Technically, the frozen okra is still in the freezer at my job. But that's only because I've been working out of the office all week. And so now I need to go and get the gumbo. But the gumbo is there. I know. She sent me a, t- a picture. It's actually pretty hilarious. She sent you a picture of the gumbo. Yes. Did she put the gumbo in your hand? No, not the gumbo. The okra. Oh, the okra. Did she put the okra in your hand? No, the okra's in the freezer at work. But it was okra at one point in your hands. No, but I know it's in the freezer at work. I think you should check. <laughs> you know, one the mother little, you know. You I actually like, saw the gumbo for about five minutes on work on Friday, but I didn't take it with me. Don't look at me. Put I didn't in take, your purse. 
No, because look, it was really hot and I took the public transportation and then it would be like soggy and like thawed out by the time I make it home. No, I'm driving into work. Why, next why do you week. have a purse if you can't put ice and cre- and okra in it? My purse is not a cooler. <laughs> you got all wait a minute. Wait a minute. We pay all this money for these purses and they can't hold ice and okra? Okay. See, Oprah but... Winfrey will have already figured out a way to make Ooh. this happen. She might have had, she might have Stedman running behind her carrying this okra in a frozen bag. But no, okay. I see how you are. Okay. I'm saying this because my brother listens to the podcast mm-hmm. and I called him last week to, to talk about my mom's <laughs> birthday. And the first thing out of his mouth was have you made this man his oh, his gumbo yet? He's suffering. Make my brother-in-law his gumbo. So, John, if you're listening, he's getting his gumbo. We have the okra. Aww. So now let's just move on to the other segment. <laughs> Before you waller in your self-pity of me <laughs> not changing my purse into a full-ass cooler. <laughs> I'm withering away. I'm literally, I am... I am scrawny now. So, Big Daddy, what was the best thing you ate last week? It sure as hell once again wasn't gumbo. <laughs> no, it was my, not. If she keeps talking, it might end up being a cake again. Oh, okay. But so no, anyway. Uh, nonetheless, I would like to say thank you to the Gourmet Goober um, for just being a lovely person. <laughs> to being my little dark little queen. And Aww. I gave her love and graciousness. And the best thing I, I had this week um that was not her birthday cake um was when we did go out to dinner we did hit up Gino's Steakhouse in Miraville and while I was choking on you know the prices um <laughs> that was on me um cause you know I haven't put that money down yet I had to uh I did partake of a lovely uh chicken breast dinner yeah it um, was the chicken Vesuvio right yes the chicken Vesuvio Vesuvio like potatoes um logged up and um airlini um style um so airline. Figure out, airline <laughs> airline airlini i never figured out what the hell it really meant um all know it was very good it was a very good chicken and within with wine sauce and different seasonings and it it had a lovely little gravy flavor the potatoes were lovely the vegetables that came with it were quite lovely also it was airline, airlini, whatever the hell style. I don't care if damn thing called truck. It was damn good. It was damn good chicken. I give you awesome love. But yeah, that was the best thing I ate this week. What about you, Gourmet Goober? Well, I have to agree. The best thing I ate this week was also from that dinner that, again, thank you that you took me out for my birthday. Um, it's a little steakhouse in Maryville, Indiana called Gina's Steakhouse. Um, and I had the lamb porterhouse. And I have to admit, I've never had this particular kind of lamb before. Um, they made it medium for me as per my request. It had this incredible um, rich sauce that went with it. And it was just perfectly done. It was very tender. It wasn't gamey. Um, it was really, really just exquisite. Probably the best lamb that I've ever had at a restaurant. So shout out to them and thank you. And I just want to say as well, they were incredibly um, nice to us um, even before they knew it was my birthday. So 
thank you for accommodating us and making that evening special. Um, speaking of birthday, even though definitely the lamb porter house at Gino's was the best thing that I had to eat that week. Okay. Um, I do want to give special mention to the cupcakes that you got from um, Designer Desserts. Really? Yeah. Because um, Big Daddy, he asked me early in the week, like, what do you want? Do you want cupcakes or do you want a cake? And I'm like, I want a Black Panther cake. Of course I want a cake. So he had this little game he had going. He's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't have a chance to pick up the cake. And then he hit the cake. And then when I opened up the fridge, there were two cupcakes from Designer Desserts. There was a cherry cheesecake cupcake. And then mm. the other one was like a s'mores. Yeah, s'mores galore. A s'mores galore cupcake. And I know I've mentioned Designer Desserts before on this podcast. And will again. And probably will again. Because honestly... And all of my 45 years of living, they have the best cupcakes that I've ever had. And it's not in Chicago. It's actually in a town. Of, how many miles would you say Valpo is from Chicago? Valparaiso is, I want to say 45 minutes. Uh, we'll say like 36, 37 miles. All right. So it's about 37 miles outside of Chicago. Um, it's a little town. It's known for its college, Valparaiso University. If you're a basketball fan, you know that they had quite the Cinderella story several years ago with their team. Um, but yeah, outside of that, um, they're known for having their own ice cream brand, believe it or not, called Valpo Velvet, which if you ever have a chance to sample Valpo Velvet or go to their actual um, factory that's in Valparaiso, it's hella good. Mm-hmm. But Designer Desserts is this little cupcake shop that's on the main street of Valparaiso. They have these ginormous cupcakes, these wicked flavors um, that you could ever imagine. In fact, there's one flavor that they only do once a year. It's a popcorn cupcake um, that sounds insane, but it's really, really good. And they make it only once a year as far as Valparaiso's Orver Redenbacher um, Popcorn Fest. Mm-hmm. Although, if you go to thegourmetgoober.com, I actually have a recipe. So, if you want to make your own version of the popcorn cupcake, you can. Um, in fact, what I'll do is I'll repost that on the on the website so you can check that out. Um, oh, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they have the most amazing cupcakes that you'll ever see. And they're a good value, too. I mean, usually what? How much are the cupcakes normally? Uh on non-discount days, they're usually $4.50 per cupcake. But they're huge. Like, seriously. Like, you can palm it. <laughs> it's like the size of a baseball. They're really big. Yeah, base, or it's like a softball. Yeah, you can basically... It would crush one of those little Sugar Bliss cupcakes. Yes. So, um, although Sugar Bliss cupcakes are good. Mm. I think you're talking about the Magnolia cupcakes, which... Or I know we're Magnolia. really, really famous for a while because they're in Sex in the City, but I find them horribly dry. And the people at the Magnolia Cupcakes at Block 37 are kind of snooty. Yeah, so. <laughs> you little cupcake. Yeah. They, like cupcake was, you get your little cupcake and you will like be all nice and smoothy. <laughs> you will have your little cupcake. All those other little cupcakes are little poopy poopy. Okay, I'm not sure where my husband went with that, but yes. Sorry. Their cupcakes are not worth it, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. think they're just going in the notoriety of Sex in the City and all that entails. So, all of those Sex in the City girls would be like just chunky as hell if they was hitting up this design of dessert cupcakes. Clearly, they were missing out. Okay, yeah. 
So the point I'm trying to make is I know that a lot of people think the cupcake craze has died. I disagree. And if you were ever in Valparaiso, Indiana, Designer Desserts has the best cupcakes. Well, no, not just Valparaiso. There's like a small shop in Cherville too now, right? Too. Yeah, they have a nice little hidden shop in Cherville. <laughs> yeah, they have a little tiny shop in Cherville. But yeah, you want to go, if you want the greatest expansion of cupcakes available, you want to go to the Valpa one. And I'm serious. It is the best you've ever had. I've never had a bad cupcake and they're all exquisite. So with that note, wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you for listening to the Gourmet Goober. Um, you can catch me again on Twitter at the Gourmet, um, at, sorry, <laughs> JJ Outlaw. I'm at mm-hmm. Gourmet Goober on Instagram. Um, you can find Big Daddy where? You can find me at uh, T Outlaw. That being me, T Outlaw, um, and on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. Um, you can also find me on Facebook somewhere doing something um, crazy. But yeah, uh, I am the Outlaw, and uh, yeah, we're just here to party. <laughs> so anyway, um, just want to thank you guys for listening, in and um, to everyone. Until next time, happy eating.